Hello and welcome to this week's RTE Soccer Podcast. Just when you thought we were put away in storage for the winter, we're back for pre-season in January, but we're back with a bang. And I'm not sure if you're a child of the 70s, 80s, 90s and 90s, but some of you may well remember the children's programme, The Magic Roundabout. But since the FAI Cup final just over a week ago, it's like we are fully immersed in that episode of a children's TV classic. And to help me get through the comings and goings since then, I'm joined by our own very, very own Dougal, Johnny MacDonald, alongside him, a trusty psychic Zebedee and Pat Fenlon. <laughs> and he's gone out to pass here, but we have a Mr. Rusty and Gary Rogers. <laughs> how are you doing, lads? Always, always Rusty, some would say. Pat, how are you? I'm good. All good. Well, lads, I suppose there's only one place we could really start since the cup final, and it has to be with the the, the lads who have the trophy at the minute and the managerial uh, Miss Goins there with Steve O'Donnell. Is he a Pats manager? Is he a Dundalk manager? Is he in the in between? What will be announced? Uh, Gary, former Dundalk player, it seems a bit bizarre that it's still going on this long. Yeah, it's certainly unusual circumstances. Um, like obviously, you know, you have the highs of winning a cup final, and then a couple of days later, you hear the manager is moving on to Dundalk. And look, you can understand Stevie's probably reasons for wanting to go to Dundalk. But then, what's kind of come out, uh, you know, in the wash in terms of the move hasn't been as straightforward as it appeared to be, and and he's yet to be unveiled as manager. And obviously, St. Pat's have got a, a new guy in in their management team, and Tim Clancy, and even the wording of all of this sort of stuff leads you to believe that there's more to it than meets the eye. Johnny, you've been a manager at Pats before. Um, this seems a bit odd, doesn't it? It doesn't help in a, going in towards a pre-season or even trying to get signings done and dusted for a club that this would be still up in the air. Well, just, just, you know, just on that, it's not good for the publicity of the whole league and stuff. And it looks like things are being mismanaged, as Gary just says there. You know, contracts, what, do, what he signed, what he not signed, what was in the contracts. Regards of players, you know, there's talk about players not being signed because Stevie was at Pats and now he was leaving and he didn't get players signed. So I, I don't know, you know, the, the situation, but it's, but it's not good. But I mean, what, what surprises me is that people are surprised about things that happen in football, I have to be honest. Yeah, Pat, speaking of contracts, like you'd see contracts come across your desk all the time, but... This seems to be odd. If there's, there's kind of rumours, did he sign a contract? Is that the reason why he hasn't been announced at the minute or anything like that? But it seems a bit strange that it would be at this stage. Yeah, it is. It's, it's it is certainly strange, particularly after obviously the high and euphoria winning the cup. Then to a few days later, you know, all this sort of landing on the doorstep. And um, so I think, like the boat lad said, it, it's not good for anybody. It's you know, it probably could have been resolved easy enough um, if people had got their heads together and been honest from the start, but. Um, if Stevie's made a decision to leave Pats, well then, you know, there's two things to that. You have to respect his decision, but also if there's a contract in there, well, that has to be respected as well. And we don't know the ins and outs of it, so it's difficult to, to go into a full comment on it. But it's not good for anybody. It's not good for, for both clubs um, from that point of view. So, you know, where is it going to end up? You would hope that they'd be able to resolve it and move on. Like you say, Pats have made an appointment with him coming in to their management staff. So, um but it is difficult when you're trying to sign players that, you know, who's the manager, who's in charge, you know, you know, at both clubs. Um, so it is a bit of a messy situation at the moment. Yeah, Johnny, if you talk about Tim there, Tim had an outstanding two couple of seasons that draw the could well have been uh, manager of the year this year. Both himself and Stephen have been mentioned in the past for the Dundalk job and now he's gone to, and as the statement says, join the management team. At St. Pat's, it, it, it's a good move for him, but again, all this nonsense around it is probably not helping him much. 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, you'd have to say with Pats and Stevie O'Donnell that it's definitely over, you know. Like as Pat said, people could have sat down and got around the table and resolved it. But it's obviously definitely over over because Gary Keller moved swiftly to get Tim Clancy in. And uh, he's kind of said, well, he's our new manager now. Tim has done really, really, really well in the last couple of seasons. Uh, Pat, would, Pat would know Tim. He had him over at Hibernian. And, uh, you know, he, he he's... He's a lad. He's is is scholar of the game. You know, he's 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 always wanting to do well. He's done brilliantly with what he's had a Drada, and uh, yet there was talk about him maybe going to Dundalk and stuff. And uh, I think he's a good appointment. He's a lad where he knows where he wants to go, and he he probably has higher ambitions than 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 the national league as well. Gary, you know Tim very well and stuff. He, he said, will he be able to? pick up from where Steve O'Donnell's left off or would he add something himself onto it? Yeah, I think he will. I think you have got to look at what Tim has done over the last, I think it's four years at Drogheda, you know, bringing through the amount of young players that he's brought through. I think he's probably perfect for Pats in that regard because Pats have a very strong academy there and Tim's not afraid to give young players a chance. You look at the players like Brown and Doyle and Phillips this year and Conor Kane and all these guys, these are guys that, that Tim has developed at Drogheda and they're all guys that are attracting interest from clubs you know, in our league and outside it. So it's, you know, it really does look to be a good fit for Pats and Gary Keller, like Johnny has said, has moved swiftly to put him in there. So they obviously feel that, you know, Tim, Tim is right for them and I think, you know, he'll be glad of the opportunity to go into full-time football because he is an ambitious guy and he does, he does want to do uh, do well in his career and, and he's done well to date with what he's had so far at Drogheda. I think Drogheda will, will agree and testify to that, that he's, he's done an excellent job over uh, there and it's just time for a new challenge for him and he could be glad you know, of, of the, the move to St Pat's to full-time football and that will be, uh, I think it'll be a good fit for, for both. Pat, that obviously left with Tim gone, Drogheda, an, an empty vacancy there, but they moved quickly to put Kevin straight in as manager and then bring in Dara Doyle as well. So they were quite decisive in what way they were going. Yeah, I think so. They, they're looking at the continuity. Yeah, Kevin's been a part of Tim's coaching staff for a while, so obviously they would have wanted, you know, there's a fair bit of uh, their players and, you know, discussions and, and other clubs been interested in, so they would have wanted to make sure that they try hold on to a few of them. The, the interesting one, obviously Tim's gone into, into Pats and going back to that point that, you know, it's a different dilemma for Tim. I've spoke to Tim, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, there's there's... There's expectancy at Pats that probably wasn't there at Drogheda, so it's a different management style for him as well. You know where, you know Pats finished second in the league and won the cup this year. How do you better that? <laughs> you know, so it's uh, that expectancy is completely different to what you had at Drogheda, where staying in the league was the important thing. A really small budget, being able to introduce young players. You know, so it's a different management uh, for Tim, and it's something obviously if he's going to develop his career as a manager, he's going to have to deal with. Where now he has some money to spend, he's able to bring in better players. Is that does that mean that there's you know, not as much emphasis on the younger players. So it, it, it is a different job for, for him. One thing he has, and this is where I'm surprised that, that, that Stevie did jump ship, is that he's got an owner that's willing to back his manager. And that's massive. You know, I think Gareth Keller probably deserves huge credit. And it's probably through no fault of his that he's ended up in this situation. But I think over a period of time, he's put huge resources into Pats. And he continues to do that. And, and I think when you see people like him involved in the league, that the reward he got this year is... a. Uh, is most welcome because you want people like him to stay involved in the league. So, but I think Tim will get time of Pats. Um, I think it's a difficult job. It's a great job. It's a great club. But it's a difficult job on the expectancy side now because they've done so well in the last season. And it's a different management experience for Tim as well. And that's something that he's got to embrace. And I'm sure he will. I know Tim really well. 
I think he will embrace that and I think he'll give joy and he'll be a completely different manager to Stevie. Johnny, just on Gareth Kelleher and he, he, like you see him at every single home game nearly. He's, he's really not just put his money into it, put a, put a, seems to put a soul into St. Pat's as well. I'm glad you said that, James, because it's, it's not just into St. Pat's. He's put it into the community. He's put it into, into Inchy Court. He's put it into the schools. He's put it into the locality. He's put it into the people in that part of Dublin, which was badly needed when he came in. You know, he's, he, I work for Gareth. He's a very, very fair man. He's a very, very fair man, and he would, will give you time. And all he asks is honesty, trust, and 100% of, of work. And as Pat said, he's put his money in, and, uh, you know, he, he, he deserves a good go with it, you know. Just get, getting it to Europe again this year, that's another thing for Tim, European football for Tim, how he's going to deal with that. But look, that's that's a plus for, for, for Tim going, going into Pats. But Gareth Keller has a... And he will be there for the long haul. He's, as you say, he's there at every game. He's there at the 19s games. And he doesn't, he doesn't, he's there, but he doesn't interfere. He watches, he observes what's going on, but he just likes to know what's going along. It's it's one of his companies, and that's the way he runs his companies. He, he delegates the work out, his managers do the work, and he trusts his managers, and uh, regular meetings with him, he runs his business properly. He's, he's a really, really good man. Gary, that's a massive thing, isn't it? If you look at the top four this season, Shamrock Rovers, St. Pat's, Sligo Rovers, Derry City, all on solid footings as far as ownership of the club is concerned and the way the club is going so that must help managers as well and players coming into the club yeah absolutely i think stability is massive uh, when it comes to teams doing well and, and look as you rightly point out all them clubs have solid foundations there and um, you know good people involved in the club not to say the other clubs don't but it's just you know that does help and, and you know even go you go through the the clubs like shamrock rovers had a lot of their players signed up and they're all in position and they've added Jack uh, Jack Bourne to Sligo Rovers I think had 15 or 16 guys uh, already signed up before the end of the season I know the Pat situation is a bit unusual in terms of what's happened but Derry have gone about their business and they've already uh, picked up like the likes of Duffy and McElhenney and obviously both McElhenney and, and Cameron Dummigan have signed and Brian Maher so they're really solid and, and have a lot of their players in position for the start of the season so them four teams uh, you know I suppose with Pat's aside they have a bit of business to do are in a really good position um, you know, to, to kick on for next year. Yeah, we'll come to signings and who's come and who's going, who, who hasn't actually even made a move in the market as yet. But as I said, it's only over a couple of weeks. But as I mentioned earlier, Drogheda, Kevin and Dara going in and they straight away they picked up a couple of signings like Dale Rooney, Dylan Grimes, Adam Foley as well. Um, Pat, they're, they're, they need to solidify this year again, don't they? Look like nothing more really than just stay in the division. No, absolutely. I think, you know, that's not been disingenuous in them. I think, you know, there's there's a bigger picture for Fredrotta. You know, there's been a lot of talk around the structure of the club and stadiums and everything, and that's probably where the real focus is, you know. Um, they've had to be in the doldrums to, and, and second fiddle to a, you know, hugely successful Dundalk team as well in County Loud. So, um, like you said, Tim Tim did a really good job there. And, and I think that continuity and appointing Kevin fairly quickly was was obviously something that they would have thought. Because I, I think you know they probably would have thought last year they might have lost him. They probably would have felt this year that you know there was a real possibility that, that would happen. So I'd imagine that forward planning would have been in place to say, well, if he goes, well then we got to try keep a little bit of continuity while we have because they got some really good young players. They're going to lose a few. They have lost a few. There's, that's just football. And when you're when you're probably a bit like Bowes when you're producing or you're bringing in young players that, you know, once they catch the eye, they're probably going to move on a little bit. And So it's how you recruit and how quick you recruit. 
Um, Kevin obviously has a good eye for, for the league. He's been around it a long time and he's brought Darda in who's plenty of experience as well. So their signings, their recruitment is going to be really important to make sure that they stay in the division. What do you think, Johnny? What, how do they go? Do they go youth again or add a couple of people in? Or like the, during the week, obviously, the PFA list comes out. It's already out. Do they yeah, look it, at players it, on that? or? It, it depends on the finances, you know. It depends on the budget. Mm. Uh, you know, we not, as your manager, you, you'd love to always sign ten players, but sometimes you can only sign six. And then it's not only just to sign a player because he's available; it's to sign the right player to fit into the system, into you know the style of play that you want to play. And sometimes you sign a player because he's adaptable, that he can play in two or three different positions, and that covers you a little bit. So I'd say you know Kevin and Dara will be looking at all them options. I think bringing Dara in is good because. Between the two of them, that you know, they know lots of young players. They're good work with young players. I think Foley's been a great signing for them. Young Grimes is a, is a good player, and uh, look, just to stay in the league, yeah, you know, it, again, getting off to a good start in the season. But then you've got UCD coming into the league as well, so the fight with them straight away and Finn Harp. So you know, it's as you were for next season. But look, Kevin's it. it He's been around a long time. Pat has worked with him. We've worked with him, and uh, he always seems to be the chap, the lad that comes in to step into the void. And he, he does well when he comes in. He doesn't panic, Kevin. He's a good, he's a good temperament and he's a good mentality. And one of, one other one we've actually mentioned in the Premier Division is uh, you you know him well, Pat. Alan Reynolds going in at Derry as assistant manager after mm. Rafa's left. Quick move by uh, Rory to bring someone who has a wealth of experience in the league. In. No, absolutely. I think. I've worked with Alan and he's a really good coach on the pitch and um obviously really really on that end of it I think he wants to be hands on as well but when you're when you're involved and and a bigger club as well there's a lot more going on that a manager needs to 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 have his hands on and you know having someone in that position that you can trust and and you know get your message across is massively important and obviously has a relationship with Alan as well uh, going back over a period of time so yeah he's a good appointment for Derry um, you know they've recruited well on the pitch and I think Alan's appointment is a good uh, recruitment process for them off the pitch as well so they look like and they're, they're making you know big moves to try get as close to Rovers as they, as they possibly can some of their signings will re- be really exciting the, the faithful at the Brandywell so it'll be interesting to see how they how they fared out yeah, and again there's expectation there now for Derry next year, isn't it? Because the players they brought in and, and the supposedly money that, 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 that they're spending on players. So it's diff- it's a different style where this year when Rory came in, it was about can he improve the team? Absolutely has improved the team. How do you take it to the next step? So young managers and, and they're the experience they're going to have to gain over a period of time. It's a bit like Tim, completely different management set up a path to what he had at Drotter. Really hasn't moved clubs, but it's probably a different situation in the same club where expectation. There's always been expectation at Derry, we know that, but I think that will grow as well on the back of of, of their their dealings in the transfer market. So it's all looking very very rosy at the Brandywell at the moment. Yeah, Gary, going to stick with Derry here because obviously half of your former teammates seem to have gone up the M1 towards towards Derry. Um, some big signings he's made, like he's got the two McAlhenny brothers in Duffy, Dummingham from Dundalk. And then Brandon Cavanagh as well, which some mightn't have seen coming because obviously Brandon had been away and then back with Bray and stuff like that on loan from Rovers. But uh, the Mar and the Cavanagh one seems to be pretty shrewd and probably not even just for this season, but for looking ahead. Yeah, no, I think what, what Rory has done there, he's kind of looked at, at obviously strengthening up all areas and nearly having two players for each position. Like you would look at Cavanagh probably be in competition with 
with McElhenney for that number 10 spot and you know like Stephen would have done stuff like that you know in the past where he had Ronan Finn and he would have brought in Jamie McGrath for the 10 spot so he's looking at he's lo- not just looking at next year he's looking at the following year and the year after that as well for you know the development of Brandon Kavanagh because he's a lovely footballer would have seen him at Bray a number of times this year and he's got great technical ability and he's the sort of player that, that Rory will like and you could see him developing uh, in the Brandywell there and like I say Cameron Dummigan there is a top notch player like I think Cammy, I think there was a whole host of clubs interested in him and he can play in multiple positions and play them all really really well so he's a very very good signature and Michael Duffy has been the best winger in the league um, probably since since Daryl Horgan went out of the league so like these are all very exciting um, signings for, for Derry City and bringing Alan Reynolds in as well is a really good appointment because I know Higgy and Higgy is a really good guy on the game and he, he, you could just tell from I suppose when he was at Dundalk that he was going to be a manager, you know, because he just has that about him. Like he's not afraid to call guys out when it needs to be done. Um, he will, he will, he won't miss anything. And he'll have Rennie there now to kind of um, to take the training if you like for him. And Rory will probably stand back a little bit, but but miss nothing. And it's all them little fine details that that he would have refined working with uh, working under the managers he's had in in his career as well. So um, it's all set up for Derry, you know, to to really put forward a very strong challenge and. Uh, you know that expectation will be there for them to be to be right right up there with Shamrock Rovers next year. Johnny, I'm here. I've constantly say Derry going to challenge. Derry going to challenge. But could it be a case like with times like this? Is, is can you can you almost bring in too many players to fit into a system? It depends. You know, once you as I as I said just a couple of minutes ago, depending on what way you want to play. You know. Gary's talking about bringing two players in for each position. Once everyone knows the role, and once everyone knows the plan, you know this is the plan going forward over the next year, over the next two, over the next three years. And I think it will take them a little bit of time. You know, just because you sign a lot of players, it'll take time for them to gel. Uh, you, as I said a couple of weeks ago, look look at Rovers. The time it took them to catch up on Dundalk, finishing 18, 20 points, 22 points behind, you know, in two and three seasons. And it might take Derry a little bit of time to do that. And uh, every one of the players that you sign might be, you know, the right option. One of them definitely will be the wrong player. And players will come in and out. But uh, with the with the, the signings that they've, they, they have, they really have a really good chance. But I still think it'll take them a year or two to catch the Lucia Shamrock Rovers. Pat, speaking of Rovers, obviously finishing the league with the championship, PFEI manager of the year as well. He does, does he need to add much to it? Obviously, he's already added Jack Byrne, but a lot of players are all still still on contract, so there's not much that Stephen needs to add to that squad, is there? Maybe a bit consistency, um, if anything. Or... Well, you look at a Rovers squad, and it's really, really strong. The one thing that you probably look at from the outside is that it's an agent squad as well, you know, and it probably needs a little bit of, of more youth. Uh, coming into that squad, you know, um, obviously Joey O'Brien has left the squad, but they still have a, a, a sprinkling of players, key players to them as well that are, you know, in the in the in the in the higher bracket from an age point of view. So I would think, you know, over over the course of this season or in the pre-season, they'll maybe look to add one or two more in areas where, you know, maybe not this season, but the following season they may have to replace certain senior players. So. Um, but I think you're always doing that when you're in a position like Rovers. You, you, you know they're in a really, really good position at the moment. They're dominant in the game, in the country. You know, and they'll want to stay in that position. They've got huge financial backing now as well. So, you know, it's about how you, how you, how you make sure your squad stays fresh and stays loyal. And they've done that. Stephen has done that really well over the last couple of seasons. Jack Bourne coming back in is a massive, massive lift for them. I think. 
um, you know, because we, we, we spoke for years about Rovers not having an out-and-out goal scorer, but they have goals all over the team and they haven't, haven't needed to have an out-and-out goal scorer, you know, but I still think they will add one or two. If they become available, I think that's the other side, I think Johnny said earlier, it's about, you know, Rovers probably have the clout to sign players, it's, but it's about what's going to make them better. You know, and at the moment, you're looking around the league, is there many in the league that they could, you know, bring into their team that's going to improve them? I'm not too sure there is. So I think they'll be patient in what they have. They have a lot of decent players signed up. They have a good squad, a big enough squad. So, But I think if someone comes on the radar that they think, well, they've, they've got the ammunition to go and, and, and make that happen. So, um, But I think over the next period of time, they've got to start probably try to introduce a little bit more youth into their team. Gary, with Pats, we've already touched on them. Chris Forrester basically extended his contract, which was probably the good news that the people around Inchicore needed after the cup final. But let's just look at Sligo. We've already mentioned them. Very few signs. Will Fitzgerald coming in from Derry, but they already had 15 lads on contract. So on a very, very solid base and European football to look forward to. Yeah, no, Sligo are in a really good position. Obviously, Greg Bulger was, was great for them uh, this year and he was really kind of the main man that dictated it uh, for them. And obviously, Johnny Kenny coming on the scene and doing really well and scoring, I think it was 12 goals this year. So like they have got the you know really good quality there, but good continuity. They have a very good back four with... Um, Mahan and Buckley and obviously Ed McGinty, who I think was probably you know the standout keeper this year in the league. So they have that kind of solid foundation, and like you said, they're all tied down for this year. And uh, look, they, they just need to add a couple more you know, good signings to that that squad, and you know they can keep themselves in them European positions for next year. But European football for them next year is going to be the big one. I think they left it behind this year. Circumstances just didn't fall for them with a couple of key injuries, and then I know that a couple of guys had COVID around that time. They had a, a kind of a reasonable draw that they would have been disappointed that they didn't progress a little bit further in Europe so that'll be um, their target for next season Johnny when we talk about Sligo we talk about Pats and Rovers and, and Derry all about European football but when you're the manager trying to get the players in it, is it really a, as big an influence as we all think it is the Europeans uh, factor yeah like you have like you know you will be playing in Europe that year the players actually oh, look yeah. towards I, that I, when they're trying to I, sign the country I, I, I think the players you know you know let's not forget that the as much as the the league here that we wanted to be brilliant and the best players to stay here, players are still showcasing themselves when they, when they play in Europe, you know. And uh, you know, young players have ambitions to go away and, and and play at a higher level. And I don't mean that in any disrespect to the league, but you know, signing a player, yeah, it can be a huge factor to say, yeah, well, we're playing in Europe this year, and that's where the the, the best players in the league want to play at the highest level. Pat, it, 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 like we're looking at it again, right? So you got them teams in Europe. The other major story, obviously, of the year is, is Shelburne, your former club. Um, with mm. New manager going in, exciting manager, big name, everybody's looking towards it, but he's made a couple of shrewd signings already. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, And it's a big step for Shells because you very rarely see a manager lose his job after losing after winning the league title. So, um, you know, it was obviously a big decision that they made. They, they felt it's the right one, you know, to benefit the club. Um, and Damien, obviously, has a wealth of experience and knowledge from a playing point of view and, and a small bit from coaching. So, again, it's a new position for Damien. It's a, it's a completely different position from coaching, you know, because I'm sure, as he's found out already in the short period of time, it's 24-7. <laughs> There's a lot more to it that, you know, people probably don't realise and, and particularly managing the League of Ireland team, you know, it's probably more much more hands-on in relation to the overall club running and structures. Um, so that's the bit he's got to manage and have good people around him in there. But listen, you know, 
again, it's like all new managers. Will it work out for Damien? Hopefully it does. He's a great lad and I did have a, the pleasure of working with him a little bit or overs when he when he was there. So um but they have made some good signings. They do have again a bit of financial backing that should be able to to uh, to help them out. You know, they've let a lot of players go. They've moved their structure from I'm not saying it's gone full time, but I think to change the times of training. So maybe some of the players they weren't able to accommodate, not that they lost, that they might have wanted to hold on to on for. So it's 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 an interesting scenario with shells, and it's a good one as well because it's 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 exciting. And Damon obviously brings that factor as well to the league, which which is good for the league. Um, but again, he's got to be astute in 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 the people he brings into the club. I would think Damon would have a certain player, obviously from a playing point of view, but I also think he's got. He's huge principles and he, he demands a lot from players. And I think that's the right thing to do as a manager. I think you've got to demand because I think the better players always want real demands put on them and, and that's how they improve. So really interesting season for Shells. The one thing can't happen Shells. It can't be going like they have for the last few seasons, go up and go back down. So it's that continuity again is, is staying in that Premier Division for a period of time. I'm sure they will look at it and think outside of the top four teams and maybe bows into that equation. They'll, they'll feel... Start cable is getting close to to the Sligos and and Derry's as 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 anyone else. So, um, but again, there's there's other factors around shells. It's the stadium, you know. Will they stay in Tolka? Will they move the daily mount? So, um, but it's stability for me for shells now. That's really what's key. And Johnny, that's massive, isn't it? Because we we know from his time at Rovers, Damien is very into his early morning training sessions. So we might find out which lads are up early and which lads like a bit of a lie on straight off, but. He needs stability there, doesn't he? He needs to stay in the league for this season. Yeah, and, and with stability, you have to have consistency. And that's, you know, if you're bringing a whole new group of players in and a whole new regime, you know, and the high standards that Pat spoke about, I, you know, I think they're the given with, with, with Damien from his background and from where he comes from. And it might take a little bit of time for, for him to readjust to other players, mm. getting to them levels. But the consistency and, you know, you know, making sure that they're, they're, they're you know, they're, they're, they're winning matches and not losing four matches, then winning a match. So building that consistency, get the standards right. You know, the new training facilities, the new training regimes, uh, and also not falling into the the, the the fact that you know, Damien's been playing at such a high at such a high level that you know he can't expect the players to be at the level that he was at. But he's maybe sometimes he he'll, he'll have to step back a bit, like you know what Pat said. And uh, just have a look in, and but with Joey O'Brien coming in, that might give the balance. Damien might want the flair and the playing and and all that, and Joey might be able to give the balance of of the defending and the stability of of the balance of the team as well. But look, I I think it's brilliant that he's come into the league, that he's given the time, uh, you know, to himself and and again to learn in this league. Pat is one hundred percent right about, you know. Hands on, you're nearly doing everything in 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 the club, and you're on top of everything. But again, that that's down to finances. I I think he's going to do really really well. Uh, just get over this season, make sure you consolidate, finish up there in the league, get a good run in the cup, and uh, I think they'll do well this season. Gary UCD, we haven't mentioned them yet. Obviously, the scholarship program helps them out year after year. <clears throat> the likes of Carrigan and Whelan look like they're going to stay. Um, how do they go about? Or do you, or do they just do what UCD do? Does Andy Moyler just decide we're going to play the way we play? Sure, what happens, happens. 
Yeah, I think they will stick to their principles there. Like in fairness to UCD, like they're coming up and they've got goals in the team. Like you know, Whelan and Kerrigan have scored goals, but they've a really solid base and and they're they're kind of at the tail end of their their program there in terms of a lot of these guys have got good experience in the league. You know, got Doyle as well, and you've got Jack Heaney and Boyd, and so you've got experienced players. So I think it'll be a case of adding a couple more players to that group. Um, so, like, I, I do expect UCD to be competitive. Obviously, everyone will, will look at them as the, the most likely team to go down. But you just don't know. I, I expect Whelan and Kerrigan to stay there till the summer, certainly. And, um, you know, that will give them a huge, a huge lift because, you know, the players of that quality to Ireland under 21 internationals, that will help them no end. Um, you know, because once you've got goals, that's the main thing. That's the thing with Drottler this year. They were able to score plenty of goals, scored more goals, I think, than Dundalk. So that's why they were able to stay up. And if you've got goals in your team and, a, you know, a reasonably solid back forward, that will give them a, a, a good chance of, uh, of survival. Pat, there was one team we haven't mentioned yet, and I'm sure it's going to be the same old, same old with Oli um, next year. But unfortunately, he's already lost Mark Coyle, Sean Boyd and Adam Foley out of his starting eleven. So it's going to be another tough season up in Ballybuffet, do you think? Yeah, but I, I don't think he lose too much sleep over it. I think he knows that, you know, come the end of most seasons, people have done well at, at, at Ballybuffet normally find themselves moving on and going to other clubs. So it, it, it is, you know, part of what they've had to deal with over a period of time. And... No better man than than Ollie to be recruiting because as we all know he's uh, he's very hands on he knows he knows every player most of the levels of the game in this country so um, I'd imagine he'll be fairly active again in relation to bringing in players and bringing in players that maybe haven't hit the peaks where they've been previously but getting the best out of them and that's what they do well and you know they they again you're looking for them. You know, I'm sure Ollie's fed up. I think we, we probably thought this year the start they had at the start of the season they were fantastic that they wouldn't end up in that you know last week or two weeks in that scenario again where we staying up or we going down are we in the player are we not in the playoff so again they had such a good start that they'd be disappointed how the season finished for them even though they managed to to, to secure and that was the, the the most important thing for them so but it, it is that way for for Ollie Finn Hart he knows that over a long period of time that the recruitment process and I go back to from all these clubs the recruitment end of it is huge and he's got a huge knowledge and um, a really good staff there in, in relation to what they're doing at Finn Harps and it's tried and trusted and it's worked for them um, but again I'm sure they won't want to be in that position come the end of next season where they're they're still wondering with a, a game or two to go are they going to be in the Premier Division so um, another big season for Harps and again another club that we'd like to see develop you know it's it's the only club in that sort of region as such and you know if you take Derry out of the equation but like it, it's a big football club as well big football town and again facilities are, are really poor at Pally Buffet and it's something that we need we need help they need help with they need it needs development you know because there is big potential up there. I looked at the, 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 their last game with the crowd was massive at the game. So the potential is there for Finn Harps. But like I said, the facility leaves a lot to be desired at the moment. Yeah, who would have thought we'd have so much to talk about just a week and a half after the actual season coming to an end. But uh, there's even more, Johnny. Um, well, I don't know how we even broached this, but the decision by the league on the under-14s league being pushed back from March to July... Uh, it seems to create a bit of controversy. Like, I'm, I'm just looking at a statement here that was released during the week from Shamrock Rovers. The schedule in the under-14s, 15s, 17s, 19s competitions was agreed on by the NLEC as far back as August. All clubs have subsequently assembled their squads in readiness to start for March. So I'll just jump down here. So 
We understand that this decision was taken against the advice of senior FEI officials as well as the National League clubs who, through the NLEC, adopted the schedule of 2022 underage last August by deciding to replicate the 2021 season with a full suite of under 14, <coughs> 15, 17 and 19 national competitions. There seem to be discussion and basically saying it, it's all down to the Kennedy Cup, a cup that's been around for years. It seems to be that, James. It seems to be that it's, you know, you know the Kennedy Cup, the status of it down through the years. But to allow to allow the National League clubs to, to prepare and get ready, uh, I've been working with, with clubs over the last few months regarding players. And I have to say, especially with Shamrock Rovers, you know, they've acted brilliantly in, in the way they, they've, they've tried to recruit players from, from where I am in Belvedere. And... Uh, and St. Pat's, you know, they've been in contact. So they're trying to build their, their squads and their teams, you know, to, to go into competition. And then the carp is pulled from underneath them. So look, you know, is it just for this season? I don't know. I've I, I seen the statement. Uh, yeah, the 15s, 17s and 19s, yeah, will definitely go ahead. Are they kind of just, are they saying, look, give us back 25% and, you know, give the Kennedy Cup back to the schoolboy section, let them have their, you know, their 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 time with the Kennedy Cup and let the players come through. Can the can the National League clubs now sign the player? They can obviously sign them, but can they register them? So does that mean if we've if we've six players going out of Belvedere this year, are they gone to the National League clubs? Will they play football or will they play friendlies from now till July? Or will they leave them in Belvedere or Home Farm or Joey's or Crumlin or Kevin's or wherever it might be, Ballyhoust or Luke? And it doesn't matter. What what will happen to players? So it has to be in the players' best interest uh, to, to make sure that they're playing at a competitive level. You know, does... Like, like the, the whole situation has changed. Like, we're down in Belvedere now, so our focus now really is on developing players and we've done that for, for many many years in Belvedere with 16 full internationals over 270 underage international players uh, so you know we're, we're now looking at just developing our players up to under 14 levels so then they go off to the National League and then we have our under 15 Premier 16, 17, 18 uh, leagues some of, the, some, some of the problems can be is that you know Johnny McDonald, Pat Fenland say go to, to 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 Shamrock Rovers or St Pat's or Bowles at fourteen, and we we go there. And in fairness to them, they bridged that gap because thirteen to fifteen was too big. You know the physicality of some of the players was too much. So in fairness, the gap has been narrowed. And uh, but you know you go at fourteen, fifteen, and maybe then at seventeen they say, look, Johnny really hasn't progressed. Where does Johnny McDonald go? Where does Pat Fenley go? Do they go back to their schoolboy clubs? that are probably not competitive enough for the players at that level. So, I don't know, is there is there a, an opportunity maybe to run something on the side with it, with the National League t- uh, leagues, where they keep a development squad going for the players that d- just didn't make it? And I don't know whether I'm making clear sense here, but if I just don't make it into them squads in the National League, and I still play in the schoolboy football, where do we go? Uh, is, it, is it not enough for me, you know, is, is it not enough for me to, to develop? How do we develop them players, them late developers, the fellas that have come through at 17 and 18 and, and 19 years of age? And then again, when they get to 19, there's a bottleneck there again. Where do the players go that don't make it at 19? They can only go to so many teams. It's not like in England or 
you know, even at 15 and 17, where you're at Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United, Leeds, all the championship clubs, you can still go to Rochdale, Accrington, Stanley, all the clubs, Scunthorpe. Where do the players go? You know, I just think that the pool, by, by narrowing the pool in all the time, it, it, it just it, it gives you the less scope for, for players coming through at a... As as lay developers, where do we develop these players? There will be one or two definitely that will come through, but the leagues just don't facilitate the players. You know, at fifteen and sixteen, the standard is not good enough, and that's no disrespect to the players. Some of the coaches are not good enough because all the coaches then go to the national league because national leagues are asking guys to go and be a second team coach or tour team. So. From our perspective in Belvedere, we're developing our players to get to 14, but I still think there should be a banging the heads together about what happens to players that don't make it to 14, 15, 17, right? What happens in between there? The players that fall out, where do they go? How do they stay in the system? How do they stay developed? How do they bounce back into the system? Yeah, I think that I think that's one of the major things that the, the issue with having 14, 15, 17, 19 is that there is a gap in there between them. I don't know, Pat, what you, what what your thoughts on this? Should we have a 14, 15s league, a 16, 17s league, a 17, 18s, 19s league, that kind of way so it keeps them in because there will be inevitably, as John says, there will be players who get to 16 years of age and have no club and probably drop away from football yeah. full stop. Never mind trying to go and find oh, a yeah, club. Well- I think I think part of this is maybe an olive branch from you know people in the association to to the to the schoolboy leagues around the country. I think when you think back to the when the decision and it's part of some of the decisions that were made under a pre, previous regime from a football point of view that I wouldn't be quite happy with. Um, and I think this is a little bit of an olive branch to try to get them people back on side. And 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 you know if you take in the, and I've said this previously, you know at Johnny's at Belvedere, there's clubs all over this country. You know, from from Donegal right down to Cork and Wexford and Waterford, they're over fifty and sixty years. Have developed Johnny reeled off a lot of players there at Belvo. Developed all their best players, you know, for international football, at all all age groups, and then a senior international football. And the decision was made, you know, when when we introduced all these national league uh, teams or leagues in, in 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 into the fray, that these people were pushed aside, you know. And I felt at the time that wasn't the right decision to make. I just thought there should have been more dialogue around that, you know, because in fairness to, to, to the association, you know, they don't just have a duty of care to the 2 or 3% elite players. They have a duty of care to all players, you know, at, at all codes of football, you know, whether that's female or male uh, football. And I think that's something that we've probably missed in relation to trying to push on with the elite end of it. And listen, I'm all for us developing our best players, We've got to find a way to do that, but we've also got to find a way of keeping everybody in that structure on board. And I think this may be a decision that is probably an olive branch to them people to say, listen, it's changed, things have changed, and we're trying to work this out. It's, not, it's, it's very, very difficult to, to resolve this situation right across the board, but I think there's just a duty of care to, to a lot more than the elite section in the game of this country. We, we go on about and we talk and proudly talk about when we have to debate about other sports that Soccer is the most participated sport in the country. Well, then we've got to look after them all. And Johnny made a point, and we've all seen it, you know, players that haven't developed over a period of time, but come good when they find their way at 15 or 16 or 17 years of age. So it's trying to get the balance right. And don't forget as well, you know, League of Ireland clubs had had no interest in schoolboy football for a long, long time. Some of them do their work really well. And one of the reasons for, 
you know, bringing in the, the, the national leagues at underage level was that the best players would play against the best players. That's not happening. And that's not happening due to finance. You know, that's not happening due to, to you know, a lack of travel grant. The leagues are all based on regionalisation. That's not good enough neither. If we're talking about the best players playing against the best, the best players, then that should be happening on a regular basis. So there's a much bigger discussion around this. And I think everybody needs to be involved in it because the people that are running these schoolboy clubs all over the country, you know, not just developing elite players, but also developing people and making sure maybe some boys that may end up in trouble, you know, find a way out through their football club. So it's really important that there's a bigger discussion around this that's not just elitist. And I think that's something that maybe the FU have looked at now under the new regime and say, Do you know, we need to, we need to, we need to just get an olive branch out to everybody involved in the game and then see can we take it forward. Yeah, and I think that's a very valid point. Johnny, sorry, Gary, for leaving you out because <laughs> you look at this from a different point of view to these young lads, but it's a case of these kids, especially the 13-year-olds going into the under-14 league, they're going through a lot of transition at the minute. They're going from, what we say, a second or national school up into secondary school. There's a lot happen with them. And maybe it is, as Pat says, maybe we just look after them in their clubs maybe and leave them in the setup they're used to. Yeah, yeah. look, it, there's lots of kind of interesting points around that. And Pat is kind of makes a really good point about um, clubs not being interested, like League of Ireland clubs. Basically, the academy structure was basically thrown upon them and they've, they've had to look after X amount of teams and they didn't have the, the finances or the funding there to do that. So, you know, they weren't in the best position to kind of take on all the all these new clubs. But like fundamentally, you look at this decision, you know, for, for your under 14 players, you know, they, they would have finished their season in November this year to go from November to July um, with, with no competitive football at National League level. Like that, that has to be resolved and, and, and it, is, look, it looks like it is just down to the Kennedy Cup. Is it a case, a simple solution of moving the Kennedy Cup to under-13 level so that you know, it, it doesn't affect the under-14s and moving it back? And I know the purists out there won't want the Kennedy Cup being changed in terms of the underage um, because it's, it's been, I suppose, a mainstay in the game here for so long and traditionally it's where all the, the, the top players went to and were scouted from as well. So, look, there's lots of difficult decisions to be made around it, you know? You know, the Kennedy Cup, you know, about scouts coming over and, and whatever else. I, I'm all for their league developing and the best players 100% coming through. That's my background. That's where I've come from. And I want young players coming through. I want them coming through through the best young coaches, the best youth coaches, the best development coaches coming through. But, look, you talk about scouts. We have a scenario now where the kids can't go away till they're 18, yeah, over to England. Yeah, 18, with Brexit. Yeah. Can't go to the UK till 18. Yeah, but that, but you know, but but we've we've blinkers on us now as well. What's wrong with some of our players in Belvedere going to Belgium or Holland or France? They can do that at 16. That it hasn't changed. The countries have changed. Just GB is out of the situation, and that's it. And you know, the blinkers are just going to Great Britain people can still come and, and scout players and I just think that opens her up a little bit and it takes away from the national the players going into the National League as well so you know th th we've got to look at the whole situation we've got to look at the best in, in one of the uh, in the quote they say that the, be the, the the National League clubs are saying the best players are playing against the best they're not because some of the results have been ridiculous 12 wounds 16 wounds 8 nils you know some of the results are, are really bad so you know, there's an imbalance for the want of a better award. And, and and that's why I'm saying, is there some way where the lads that have been left behind can play against or be part of some of these leagues or 
I, I don't know. So it keeps the lads that didn't get get into the National League teams involved, that there's still hope. There's still... Uh, that You know, you might look at, say, February now till July, and if the leagues had a went ahead... So maybe in July someone will say, "Geez, Gary Rogers, we miss Gary Rogers there. And between February and, and July, he's developed in that short period of time. So there's pluses and minuses to everything. But I'm just saying... About the the, the the lads that just didn't break in, what is left for them? Gary said they might go off, or Pat said they might go off, and or you said they, they they go off, they stop playing, they go playing Gaelic, they go, or they just stop playing whatsoever. It's the administration of this and the practicalities of it are really difficult. Handing out the olive branch yet, so seventy five percent of this is working for the national league clubs, fifteen, seventeens, nineteens, yeah, and then the fourteens will hand that back. And I said that at the very start when you asked me the question, is this just for this season? Will it be pushed back to thirteens? But like in any conflict, or if that's the right word, people have to sit down around the table and talk and work it out. And not everybody's going to be happy. But and again, as I said, I'm 100% with the National League clubs bringing players through. But I just think that if we narrow the pool of players, it just doesn't give you the options. It, it just limited your options with the amount of players. So if we're, if we're losing players hand over fist at 14, some lads don't develop. I, and I'll just give you a scenario. We had a situation where they're under 13s. A year and a half ago, one of the players was miles away from being one of the in the elite team for the want of a better word or the A team or the red team or whatever you want to say and this lad has come through so that's going to happen at 14, 15 and 16 as well so I just feel it's not going to be every player but sometimes the late developers are the best players and I listened to a brilliant article with Stephen Bradley last week Stephen spoke about himself when he was a young player that he was a kind of a gold standard player but he wasn't the one that made it the fellow with the, that was the bronze standard players and without mentioning any names came through and were successful and played full international careers. So nobody knows who's going to be the best players because they're young, they're developing, developing, uh, you know, mentally, technically, physically, all that stuff. What the factors that you know outside of football that you don't control. You know, young boys at sixteen and seventeen, the madness that's out there in the world, all that stuff. Pat made a point about, like, we bring over 300 kids in a week, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday and Sunday, off the streets, develop them, not just as players, but as people. And we also develop them as maybe coaches to come back to the club. So, look, I just think sitting down and trying to, to, to resolve, I think that's, you know, it can't be just decisions made around a, board, a boardroom table. Everyone has to be brought in, and there has to be dialogue and a row and whatever else you want to call it. And... Uh, as I said, not everyone's going to be happy, but what's most important is is that you get it right. Yeah, I think that is the most important point. And from a mental, my mental health hat on, I will suggest that these young lads who are classed as not making it in the National League in those between 14s, 15s, 17s, 19s, they need to have some kind of route back and some kind of help back into the leagues. But we'll move on quickly now. We only have a couple of minutes on this, maybe one question each even. And the Champions League, obviously the group stage is coming to a close tonight. And you did mention a couple of European countries there, John, and one, France, in Lille, Salzburg, Sevilla, and Wolfsburg in Group G. Gary, this is a mental group. I don't think I've ever seen a group where nobody's qualified or nobody's been told they're at the bottom of the group in a long time in the Champions League. Yeah, 
it's it's going to be a very interesting group. I think you, you look at you know Lille on eight points, Salzburg on seven, Seville on six, and Wolfsburg on five. So this is where all the action is going to be this evening. So it's a very exciting group, um, and you know for it for to be so tightly poised uh, going into the last game, it's uh, it's where the most interesting games will be tonight. Park won Liverpool last night. It must be it must be great for a manager to be able to put out a team like that and then break a record of winning all games. The first British team to do it. Yeah, it's a, a, an incredible achievement. When I heard that, I was surprised that actually none of the the, the the other clubs had achieved that over a period of time. When you think of the great uh, English teams that played in the Champions League, so um, but at the moment they've just got a uh, immense talent within the squad, and then they've, they even them they still they look like they've got a crop of young players now as well that are coming through that are going to push the, the the senior ones on again. So it's a really good position for Liverpool at the moment. Ah, uh, Johnny Barca, you were about to mention them. Need yeah. a result against Bayern, really. They have to get a result, don't they? It's 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 hard to comprehend that you're talking about Barcelona not getting through. You know, I know there's been turmoil in the last few years and the, and the players coming and going, and Messi out and all that, managers coming and going. But you know, to think of them not making the the the, the, the later stages is unthinkable. But uh, yeah, it it should be interesting with with, with Munich tonight. Yeah, it should be good. And we just got to, one more question to you, Pat. Gary mentioned to me beforehand, league's over, usually means we go up north. Stevens Day, Boxing Day, Linfield versus Glen Torren looks like an absolute cracking game. Yeah, and it's 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 actually the 27th this year, obviously, because Stevens' Day, I better not call it Boxing Day, I get plenty of grief already over that, so um, both sides of the border. So, um, yeah, it's the 27th, which is the Monday, which actually I think will help because everybody will have their Christmas day at home and their, their Boxing Day, Stephen's Day at home and hopefully want to get out and get the fresh air and get in to watch football. So we're, we're hoping for a bumper crowd. The Glens are going really well at the moment. We're going well. We reached the final county on the chain last night, so we're in good form and really looking forward to it. And there should be, like you say, a bumper crowd at that game. I think that's an invite for all three of us, lads. I think Pat's going to... Absolutely. Gonna no problem at all. I think what you reckon. Right, right <laughs> lads. Thanks very much for joining us this week. Of What a great week it was, especially for Irish football and Vera Pau and the women's national team. Record win uh, during the week. We're a bit late from that. So thanks to all the lads for joining us. Goodbye.